Hello, everybody. Welcome back. CCT, episode 32, In the Flesh. We're back. We're live. Another exciting weekend of college football has passed us. And on this great Thanksgiving weekend, another one is upon us. Rivalry weekend, last game of the regular season. First, before we jump in, just want to let everyone know, appreciate everyone for tuning in, coming back, being live with us. Again, as always, happy Thanksgiving. Hope everyone enjoyed their holiday with their friends and family. Ate a lot of food. I know I did. And, um, you know, enjoy the rest of the weekend. A lot of stuff going on. NFL, World Cup. But, of course, college football coming to a close. Regular season ending this weekend. So we have a lot to talk about. Let's dive in today. Alrighty. Going for some of the scores from last week. We had TCU, the Horn Frogs, squeak out a nail-biter against the Baylor Bears. TCU ranked 4 in the nation, improved to 11-0. Baylor fell to 6-5. TCU won 29-28 on a last-second field goal. Pretty much towards the end of the game, TCU got the ball back, drove down the field, and the end of the game, they ran a couple plays in the red zone, and instead of spiking the ball... They spiked it on second down. They went for a play on third down. And they ran the field goal unit out with six, seven, eight seconds left and kicked kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired. Very ballsy play by Sonny Dykes, if you ask me. Again, probably would have spiked it on third down and just let your field kicker kick it. But they rushed the team out. They practiced and practiced, I guess, the whole week. And it turned out, obviously, successful and well for them. So total yardage here. TCU had 442 yards, Baylor 501, TCU had 327 passing yards, Baylor 269. In the rushing game, TCU had 115 rushing yards, Baylor 232. Here we go, turnover battle here. One apiece, TCU had a turnover and so did Baylor. Going into some advanced stats for individual players here, we have Dugan. TCU's quarterback was 24 of 35, 327 yards passing. He also had a touchdown and interception in the air. He also had eight rushes for 50 yards and a touchdown. So two touchdown day for Dugan. Had the one interception. Miller, the running back, had 10 rushes for 41 yards and a touchdown. Barber, one of their wide receivers, had five receptions for 108 yards. Next, jumping over to the Baylor Bears here. We had Shapin, their quarterback. 21 of 30, 269 passing yards, had a touchdown and interception. He also had seven rushes for 20 yards. Williams, the running back, 19 rushes for 112 yards. Last but not least, Baldwin, one of their wide receivers, had six catches for 123 yards. Shout out to him. That's one hell of a game. Again, Baylor played him tough at home. Not as good as years last year. Again, Baylor won the Big 12 last year. But, you know, gave TCU, an undefeated team, a run for their money at home. Valiant effort. The Horn Frogs survive. Move on this week for the last week of the season before the Big 12 championship. Their opponent is still not set in stone. Right now it could be Kansas State or Texas. If Kansas State loses to Kansas and Texas wins, that means Texas will be playing TCU in the Big 12 championship. Again, they played each other a couple weeks ago. TCU 
defeated the Longhorns 17 to 10. So we could get a rematch, a rematch of that, excuse me, or we could have Kansas State step up to the plate and try to dethrone the Horde Frogs. We're in the perfect season. But we'll see what happens with the Big 12. Again, I'll have more after this week. After all the games have been placed and the conference championships have been slotted. Next, we'll jump into Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. The Cowboys of Oklahoma State fell to Oklahoma in the rivalry game 13-28. So Oklahoma defeated Oklahoma State 28-13. Oklahoma State falls 7-4. Oklahoma 6-5. Again, your Clemson's old defensive coordinator, Brent Venerables. He's now the head coach of Oklahoma. Obviously, they're 6-5. and five. They're bowl eligible, but not where they expected to be. And then under, under excuse me, Lincoln Riley. They have been in the playoffs on the nose of the edge of the playoffs, near six bowl games. And again, they're still bowl eligible this year. But definitely a big turnaround and letdown compared to years past. They got blown out in the Red River rivalry game. Lost big games this year again. Beat their rival in Oklahoma State, which is something, but definitely not a year that the Sooners were expecting on their Brent Venerables. So going to some yardage here, Oklahoma State had 484 total yards, Oklahoma 434. Oklahoma State had 381 passing yards, Oklahoma 259. Oklahoma State had 103 rushing yards, Oklahoma 175. Key stat here, yes, is two turnovers. Oklahoma State had four, Oklahoma had two. Again, minus two in a turnover game, definitely going to hurt you. Sanders, Oklahoma State's quarterback, was 36 of 67, 381 yards, a touchdown and four interceptions. He a tough game for Sanders there. He had 17 rushes for 42 yards. Nixon, the running back, had seven rushes for 37 yards. Presley had one of their wide receivers, excuse me, had nine receptions for 118 yards. And Johnson, another one of their wide receivers, had seven receptions. For 109 yards. Again, so shout out to those two wide receivers, Presley and Johnson, over both over 100 yard games there. Great stat line there, fellas. So shout out them. Now jumping to Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel, transfer from UCF. He was 20 of 41, 259 passing yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He also had six rushes for 30 yards and a touchdown. So a three touchdown day for Gabriel, even though he had the interception. Still a good showing from him leading his team to victory. Gray, their running back, had 20 rushes for 90 yards and a touchdown. And their wide receiver, Stoops, six catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. Again, shout out to the Sooners. Big win over the rivals. Again, definitely a down year for them. Brenton Venerables hasn't really steered the ship so well this year. Look for them potentially to do better next year. Strive again to potentially win the, the Big 12 or be more competitive before them and Texas go to the SEC in a couple of years. Because when that happens, all hell's going to break loose and good luck. Next, last but not least, we had Southern Cal UCLA. The Battle of LA, as many have called it. Trojans defeated the Bruins 48 45. USC. Ranked number 6th in the land, UCLA to 18th. USC is 10-1. UCLA fell to 8-3. Again, this was a wild game. Great back and forth. 
a high-scoring game, as we know. Towards the end of the game, the Bruins, UCLA get the ball back with a minute or so left. DTR was trying to lead the boys down the field, and he threw an interception, which unfortunately ended the game, even though they were driving pretty much down the field for the potential tie or win. So quite unfortunate, um, again, for the Bruins. Shout out to Southern Cal. Again, big win for them. Keep their playoff hopes alive. Only one loss now. You know, they're going to be in the Pac-12 championship game. We'll see who they face. That's still coming down. Who's going to decide who they're going to play as well. So we'll talk about that more next week. But more stats now. Southern Cal had 648 total yards. UCLA 507. Southern Cal had 470 passing yards. UCLA 309. Southern Cal had 178 rushing yards. UCLA 198. Again, the turnover battle, big here. Southern Cal had one turnover. UCLA had four. Again, minus three in the turnover game. Really don't expect yourself to win there, unfortunately, in that scenario. Next, Caleb Williams for Southern Cal was 32 of 43, 470 passing yards. He had two touchdowns and an interception. He also had eight rushes for 32 yards and a touchdown. So a three-touchdown day for him. Again, shout-out Caleb Williams. Played one hell of a game, willed his team back. Jones, the running back, had 21 rushes for 120 yards and two touchies, two touchdowns. Again, Jones, one hell of a stat line, 120 yards and two touchdowns. Good for you. Again, Jordan Addison, probably the best wide receiver in the country. 11 receptions for 178 yards and a touchdown. Shout out to Jordan Addison. Man is a beast. Coming out from Kenny Pickett last year, best wide receiver in the country, to now Caleb Williams, still probably the best wide receiver in the country. So shout out Jordan Addison. Can't wait to see him playing on Sundays pretty soon. Switching to the Bruins. We have DTR, Dante Thompson-Robinson, who is 23 of 38, 309 yards passing. He also had four touchdowns, but three interceptions. Again, shout out DTR for four passing touchdowns, but again, three interceptions definitely hurt, especially on that last drive towards the end of the game, where they're trying to come down and win the game or tie the game. He also had 14 rushes for 75 yards and two touchdowns. So six total touchdown gay day for him. Excuse me. But again, those three interceptions definitely hurt. But one hell of a stat line for DTR. Again, shout out my man. Six total touchdowns for him. Charbonnet, the running back, had 19 rushes for 95 yards. Four catches for 29 yards. Again, Charbonnet is a unit. If you guys have never seen him play football, man is big, fast, and strong. His legs are like the size of soccer players' legs. He's big and tall. Definitely muscular, strong guy, and he can run like the wind and catch the ball out of the backfield. So definitely shout out Charbonnet there. Again, definitely excited to see him get drafted and play on Sundays as well. And that one of their wide receivers besides Bobo, we have my boy Allen here today. Five receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown. Again, Bobo had a pretty decent day, but I chose Allen for the stat line. Again, shout-out Southern Cal. Big win for them. Keep their playoff hopes alive. And, you know, try to win the Pac-12. That's their next after this last game of the season they have coming up. Alrighty, Next, we'll transition to our close, close W's and notable L's. So we had Wednesday night in a blizzard. Again, this past weekend, Buffalo, New York got hit with massive snow, over six feet of snow. If you've seen pictures of Bills Stadium, get... Pretty much covered in a blanket of white. Buffalo's game was canceled this weekend. But also traveling through that region to Michigan up in the Great Lakes. 
So Western and Central Michigan had a Wednesday night action game. Again, it was in the blizzard. Snow was completely covering the field. Snow was coming down, but fans were at the game in the stands making snowmen. And one of the craziest games of the year with the conditions, if you've seen videos of it. Western Michigan pulled out a W 12-10 over Central Michigan. Western Michigan improves to 4-7. and seven. Central Michigan falls to 4-7. and seven. So shout out Western Michigan for the Battle of Michigan there. Big win in the snow. All right, next we have Virginia Tech Liberty. VT having a horrible season this year. Squeaked out a win over the Flames, 23-22. They improved the 3-8. Liberty falls to 8-3. Liberty's had two back-to-back bad losses. They lost to UConn, I believe, last week or two weeks ago. And then they just lost to a lowly Virginia Tech this week. So, again, big wins for the Flames throughout the season. They went to Arkansas and beat them. They beat BYU at home. But then just tough losses with the UConn and the VT, unfortunately. But shout-out Hugh Freeze there doing a great job with the program. Another wild upset we had here. Vandy. Defeated Florida, 31-24. Again, Vandy's second SEC win in back-to-back weeks. They upset, upset Kentucky at home um, in Kentucky last week, and they upset Florida at home this week. Vandy improves to 5-6. and six. Florida falls to 6-5. and five. Again, very disappointing year for Billy Napier and the Gators. Start off the year with a big win against Utah. And lost to Kentucky. And they got whopped by Tennessee. So, not again, not exciting year that Gator fans were expecting. They got a big game this week against Florida State. We'll see how they do. Vandy, one more game and they're going bowling. And they have two SEC wins. Snapped that 26-game losing streak in the SEC last week. Another win this week. You know, go, go Vandy. Hopefully they win their last game and they go bowling. That would be really exciting. Excuse me, next. We have Illinois and Michigan. The Fighting Illini took the Wolverines down to the wire. Michigan squeaked out a win 19-17 over Illinois. Michigan, the third-ranked team in the nation, improved 11-0. Illinois fell to 7-4. Again, all the top teams had a rough weekend this weekend. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU barely won their games. Obviously, Tennessee lost. We'll get into that. But a lot of tough games for top teams. Even LSU started off slow this weekend. Next, we have UGA Kentucky. The Dogs won 16-6 over Kentucky. Georgia improves 11-0. Kentucky falls to 6-5. Again, we're expecting all these top teams to win. They still won. Again, I'm just saying, definitely a tougher weekend for them. Stetson Bennett and the boys for the Dogs only scored one touchdown. They kicked two field goals and scored a touchdown. Oh, excuse me, I believe they kicked three field goals and scored one touchdown. So, shout out Kentucky for holding the Dogs offense back there. But again, I wouldn't worry about the Dogs too much. They'll be fine. Next, we have Ohio State, Maryland. Ohio State defeated the Terrapins, 43-30. The second-ranked team in the land improved 11-0. Maryland falls to 6-5. Again, this game was a lot closer. Ohio State kicked a field goal to make it 36-30 with... A minute or two remaining, and then on the ensuing possession, Maryland got the ball, Ohio State sacked him, and he fumbled, and they recovered, and then they scored a touchdown to make it 43. So again, a lot closer, came down to the wire, but again, the Buckeyes took care of business there. 
Talia Tagovailoa to his brother. Hope he's okay. Again, big sack towards the end of the game where he fumbled. But he's been, you know, one hell of a player in Maryland. I believe he's the all-time passing yard leader there now. Which is one to shout out to him. And the Buckeyes got a big game against Michigan this week. We'll get into that later. Next, we have Utah, Oregon. Oregon defeated the Utes 2017. Oregon ranked ninth, improved to 9 and 2. Utah falls to 14. And they're ranked, excuse me, they're ranked 14th. And their record falls to 8 and 3. Again, close game for Utah and Oregon. Again, Oregon with that bad loss against Georgia at the beginning of the year. And then they're lost throughout the season. Again, Southern Cal. Tough losses, tough losses for the Ducks there. But again, playoff hopes kind of died with that. And as well, excuse me, I don't believe they lost to Southern Cal. I looked it up. And then Utah as well had that rough loss against Florida beginning of the season. Again, it kind of beat some good teams throughout the year. They did beat Southern Cal, so they're still on Southern Cal's only loss. Versus, again, they also lost to UCLA and other teams. So, again, tough tough look for Utah there. But, again, still have one hell of a year, 8-3. and three. Okay, so Oregon lost to, excuse me, they lost to Georgia first game of the season. They lost to Washington last weekend. So that's what it was, Washington. Okay, got it. Okay, next we have JMU against Georgia State. Again, James Madison University, like I mentioned, FCS team, won the FCS National Championship a couple years ago. Their first year in the FBS. Fortunately, they're not bowl eligible, which I think is kind of BS. They are 7-3. They defeated Georgia State 42-40. Georgia State falls to 4-7 again. Shout out JMU. The Dukes are killing it this year in the FBS. Again, if it was my decision, I'd make them bowl eligible right away whenever you join the FBS. But, okay, that is not my job. So... We'll keep rocking with Choose Chalk Talk. But again, shout out the Dukes. One hell of a season, 7-3. and three. Hopefully they go 8-3. and three. Just can't wait to see them come back next year. Potentially get that nice bowl game. Last but not least, the upset of the weekend. South Carolina, the Gamecocks, defeated the Volunteers of Tennessee, 63-38. Gamecocks improved to 7-4. Tennessee falls to 9-2, the ranked 10th in the nation. Again, Tennessee, one historic year. Everyone's saying Tennessee back. They beat Alabama for the first time in 16 years. They lost to Georgia, and now they lost to South Carolina. Unfortunately, Hendon Hooker tore his ACL during this game, and he was confirmed he will be out for the remainder of the season. So just wanted to say, again, tragic news. Don't wish anybody ever to get hurt. One hell of a talent. Again, definitely a Heisman favorite. Definitely would have been up for it for this year. And it's just sad to see, unfortunately. But just wanted to say shout-out to Hendon Hooker. Hopefully his recovery, everything goes well. And we just wish him a happy and speedy recovery. The problem is with the whole team this year has been their defense, Tennessee's defense. Really cannot stop a nosebleed. And every game they've lost or potentially been close, they've just let up too many points. And Georgia just dominated them in that game versus the pointage. But... Again, and you can't really win without a defense. You can't really outscore everyone to an extent. Especially when you play the good teams. So South Carolina did start off really hot. I believe they scored a touchdown in their first five drives or six drives, which is something crazy. And Spencer Rattler had probably his best game ever as a college athlete. But again, just shout out to Gamecocks. They were home in Columbia. 
So a big upset there over Tennessee. All righty. I know a lot of scores there, a lot of information, but we still have a lot more to get into. Again, we got some college football news from around the world, around the wild world of college football, what's going on. So everybody buckle up. Quote my boy Lane Kiffin, get your popcorn ready. We got a lot to get into. So four years ago, we had the highest scoring game in FBS history. No, not that 222 to nothing Georgia Tech game I talked about a couple weeks ago. We had AM defeat LSU in seven overtimes, 74-72. AM was ranked 22nd in the nation. LSU ranked 7th. Again, that was the year, June Burroughs junior year at LSU. A seven overtime throw. I remember watching it. AM came out on top again, 74-72. But again, one hell of a game, 146 points, seven overtimes. And then after that game, that's when they originally changed the college football ruling for overtime. So games like that would not happen. But just wanted to shout out that little tidbit of history. Next, we have Mario Cristobal. Again, the former head coach of Oregon. Now he's the first-year head coach at the University of Miami, the U, trying to bring the U back. They're 5-6 and six this year, so not doing too well. They need to win one more to qualify for a bowl game. And they play Pitt the last game of the season. So a decent game, definitely a tougher game to try to make a bowl game. But he's been responding to criticism recently for parents taking shots on social media at him and the rest of the coaching staff for, you know, Johnny and Jimmy's playing time there. And again, a lot of players going to Miami now with the recruiting. It's been five stars. Again, they got a lot of money. Pay a lot of players. Miami's a nice city, big market area. Definitely a hotbed for recruits now in Florida. But he kind of just came out and unfortunately had to act like a PAL coach in this situation. It's kind of sad that, you know, 18 to 22 year old parents are coming out on social media bashing him and the other coaches for playing time. So he pretty much just said a parent is free and welcome to pick up their son if they're not happy with their playing time. So he pretty much just said, you know, shut up and please let me do my job. Because if you really want to come down here and pick up your son for not playing, by by all means, come down and pick him up. It's kind of sad that we have to see this happen. Again, definitely a tough year for you. Yeah, not having the season there are. Hopefully they could be a bowl eligible. Because if not, that would be very embarrassing. But I expect things to turn around, especially I said like with recruiting. This is just his first year, so you need to let him, you know, get recruits. And like I said, with the NIL and the money, Miami's got a lot of money. Definitely a hot market. A city you'd want to go to in the state of Florida versus like a Gainesville or Tallahassee. Nothing against those two cities, just Miami's definitely more marketable. Definitely got some money there as well, and they'd want to play for somebody like Mario Cristobal. Nothing against Mike Norvell or Billy Napier there. So, again, it's just kind of lame and kind of childish that you have to see parents of players on social media, probably Twitter, just tweeting out at coaches. Again, this is very, like, Pop Warner League, Police, PAL League. So, like, please stop acting like five-year-olds' parents. If your kid's not playing, obviously, it's because he hasn't earned it or there's someone else better playing over him. So those are my two cents there for Mario Cristobal. Alrighty, big news this past weekend. The SEC Commissioner, Greg Sankey, the GOAT, is looking to combine 
the conference into a single division. Right now, it's two conferences, excuse me, two divisions within the conference. You have the East and the West. The East is teams like Georgia, Florida, Vandy, South Carolina, Kentucky, Mizzou, you know, schools like that, Tennessee. In the West, you have the Alabamas, the Auburns, the LSUs, the Texas A&Ms, Ole Misses, LSUs, schools like that. But they're, move, they're looking to move away from the two divisions or the four-pod system. Again, they potentially float around that four-pod system with the additions of Oklahoma and Texas coming in a few years. But how to work the one division would be, obviously, they get rid of the divisions when Texas and Oklahoma join. So that would be the 2024-2025 season. And it would be a nine-game conference schedule. So right now it's eight, and they play 12 regular season games. So it would be eight. Right now it's eight conference games. And then it's four non-conference games or other games that you schedule. But they're looking to make it nine conference games. And it would be a 3-6-6 model. So three permanent opponents. So three teams that you play every year. And then you'd have the other 12 conference opponents teams. And they'd rotate on and off the schedule every other year. If that makes sense to everybody. So... Three teams in the SEC you play every year. So probably for Alabama, it would probably be Auburn. It would probably be Tennessee. Maybe like an LSU or something like that. Again, I don't know how it's going to work. The permanent opponents, but I'd probably have to say for Alabama would be someone like that. And then the other 12 conference opponents would rotate on and off through the 6 and the 6 model. So that's pretty much how it would work. Again, you'd probably say some home games, some away games, and vice versa. And pretty much, again, to go into a little more detail, but you play every SECT, every SEC team, every two seasons. So obviously those six games that I said that rotate on and off, obviously the three permanent opponents you play every year, but then those, you know, the rest of the SEC, you would play every other year. So you play six teams this year, and the next year you'd play the remaining six teams. However, it would break down. And then you'd play an S. You'd play at every SEC stadium, so you'd play a road game, and every same every four years. So over a four-year time period, you'd play at every SEC stadium on the road. Whether again, that includes your permanent opponents, and then the ones that rotate on and off. So again, I know it's kind of confusing, but pretty much the basis of it is they're going from two divisions to one. It would be a nine-game conference schedule, three permanent opponents, and then the six and the six would rotate. You know, this year you'd play six teams. The next year you'd play the remaining six teams in the SEC. So that in two years you play everybody. And then every four years you'd play at every SEC stadium away. So that's the kind of the look for it. Again, that kind of makes a little more sense. So, again, nothing is set in stone yet. But Greg Sankey said they're leaning towards that and are looking into it and getting away from the two divisions in the pod system. As I originally thought... When Texas and Oklahoma were going to join the SEC, I just thought they were going to add one to the east and one to the west to make it even. But I kind of get how Texas and Oklahoma are both kind of in the west, at least along the geographic lines of the SEC. So obviously you couldn't add both of them to the west, but I have heard people that said they want to take a team from the west and put them in the east, like an Auburn or someone like that. So again, they're probably just going to go to the one division, which I just had to mention, but we'll see. There's a lot of other ways they can circumnavigate this as well. Alrighty. Tuscaloosa news here. We have former players have come to Nick Saban saying that current players don't play to the Bama standard. 
And of course, Saban responded to that when players would come up to him. And he would say, you know, it hurts his heart that anybody's that that anybody that's ever played here would think that anybody on the team isn't playing to that culture and standard. It breaks my heart because I'm responsible for that. Again, as we know, Alabama has had a very rough year. Two losses before the Auburn game. Something that hasn't happened since 2010 for Alabama. Again, close losses to Tennessee and LSU. One with the game-winning field goal as time expired, and then one in overtime by one point. So four points total in their losses this year they lost by. But if you looked at Alabama, they're very undisciplined. Lost that physical, fearful touch. And they just look, you know, very skittish. And they have people dropping passes. Okay, torched on defense. Again, the offense defense coordinators need to go. That's number one. But, you know, as a former player under Nick Saban winning national championships, playing up to the Alabama center, you could definitely look at it and just say, hey, this isn't what it used to be. And, of course, Saban takes that to heart because, like you said, he's the one responsible for that. It's his team, his culture, his machine, his motivation. So he needs to dial that back in or get his players on board with that sentiment and message if they want to become you know, dominant as prior Alabama teams. And I'm not saying they, don't, they can't, and I'm definitely not saying the dynasty is over because that's just BS if you ask me. The dynasty will not be over. Nick Saban, or excuse me, Alabama will, will be relevant as long as Nick Saban is there. That's just a fact. Whether they lose two games during, a regular, during the season, whether they go undefeated, they will always be relevant when Nick Saban is the coach there. But I could definitely see where these players are coming from. Again, it's kind of just hard looking back and saying, hey, well, we did this, we did that, and these guys are kind of just not buying in, doing the same things that we did. But I can see a point as well, because you just look at this Alabama team and you say, that ain't it. That ain't it, Chief. That definitely is not what the Alabama standard and culture is up to and what we hold ourselves to. So, again, we'll see what Saban does in the off season. Again, once the season's over, after the bowl games and everything, whether they get rid of both O'Brien and Golding, their offensive defense coordinators, I damn hope so. And hopefully they block that team back in and have them come back strong for next year. Alrighty, UVA running back Mike Collins. He was a survivor of the shooting at UVA again a couple weeks ago. Unfortunate, bad circumstance again that that happened. But just wanted to go a little bit about him. He ran off the bus and tried to help his teammates. And he faced the shooter and turns back to him and got shot in the back, unfortunately. But, you know, he saved a couple of his teammates' lives. And I just wanted to shout out that heroic gesture by him. You know, he's in the hospital. He's recovering. You know, he survived, which is great. And again, unfortunately, those three members of the UVA team lost their lives in that shooting. But just wanted to shout out Mike Collins for, you know, saving a couple of his classmates facing the shooter. And just being a hero, honestly. And, you know, I'm glad he's recovering, doing well. Pray for, you know, a speedy recovery, him back up and out of the hospital very soon. But just wanted to shout that out, that, you know, brave and heroic gesture by him. So, Mike Collins, you know, just shout out to you. All right. Staying on that topic, Virginia Tech and Liberty in their game they had this weekend. Again, Virginia canceled their last two games of the regular season. But VT and Liberty played each other again, two schools in Virginia, and they took the field. Excuse me, they took the field in their navy and orange colors. 
obviously VT rocking orange, Liberty rocking navy. So just wanted to shout out them two there. They did that, again, Virginia Strong in honor of Liddell Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry. Again, the three UVA players who died in the shooting. But just, again, shout out VT and Liberty. Obviously, orange and navy is the colors that UV wears well. So just wanted to shout out them. All righty, we have trouble recruiting trouble. We have UF has withdrawn the quarterback commit Marcus Stokes scholarship offer after a video of him emerged of him rapping and stating a racial slur. So this is Mr. Marcus Stokes statement. He said, I was listening in my car. I was in my car listening to rap music, rapping along to the words and posted a video of it on social media. I deeply apologize for the words in that song that I chose to say. It was hurtful and offensive, offensive to many people. And I regret that. I fully accept the consequences for my actions and respect the University of Florida's decision to withdraw my scholarship offer to play football. My intentions was to never hurt anybody, and I recognize that even when going along with a song, my words still carry a lot of weight. I will strive to be better and to become the best version of myself both on and off the field. I know that learning from my mistakes is a first important step. Marcus Stokes. So again, we just have to be very conscious and aware of what we do, especially with social media, and especially everything going on. Again, the Marcus Stokes was a four-star, again, recruit, given a scholarship to go to the University of Florida. But came, that video came out on social media of him rapping, and obviously the rest is history. So, again, just be very careful on social media. Everything is very publicized and televised, and again, don't say anything or do anything that could be determined as hurtful or hateful towards anybody. Again, it might not be towards you, and it might just be singing a song or going along with a song, but that still can have consequences for other people. And it's just sad to see that happen. So a four-star recruit, I believe, is from Ponte Vedra, which is very close to me and Jack's, a little south. And again, you just hate to see it. But again, actions have consequences, and he respects them, it looks like. You know, he's taking it very well, understands what he did, what he did wrong, and he's just looking to be better and become a better person. All right, next we have the FCS playoffs. Yes, everybody. We talk about the FCS here. The FCS playoffs is set with the FCS. It's a 2014 bracket. I believe the top two in every conference, or excuse me, the top couple teams, so it'd be Two, four, six, eight, eight. The top eight teams get a bye, and then the other remaining play, the other remaining teams play. So the other, you know, teams play. So it'll be two, 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 two. So four, four, four. Yeah. So pretty much, you know. Again, I could explain the bracket really, but kind of how I just said it. Twenty-four teams. Top eight teams get a bye the first round, and the remaining teams play, and then so on and so forth. The national championship for the SCS. Is January 8th at 2 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Definitely be tuning in there to see what happens again. North Dakota State has been running away with the title the past couple of years, besides when JMU won a couple years ago. I think North Dakota State won like seven of the last eight or something like that. So definitely dynasty, you can say there, that the Buffalo have been doing up there, the Bison, excuse me. And but some of you know, it's familiar face teams that we have in it. 
You have South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, North Dakota State, Samford, shout out Alabama there, Montana, Montana State, Elon, Holy Cross, Delaware, UNH, unfortunately not New Haven. Sorry, Dave Johnson. Um, University of New Hampshire, William and Mary. Um, and then you have n- another school that I didn't hear of. I didn't ever even heard of, excuse me. And I did a little research. We have UIW, so the University of Incarnate Wood, right outside San Antonio, Texas. So shout out to all my friends from San Antonio. UIW is in the FCS playoff. So whether you're for them or not, cool to see another new team in there. So again, January 8th, 2 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Definitely, I'll be tuning in, paying attention to the FCS Natty right before the actual Natty. So, shout out the FCS there. All righty. Next, we have primetime Deion Sanders. Again, mentioned could potentially fill the Auburn or Georgia Tech slots because, again, he flew into Atlanta recently, potentially to go have a meeting with Georgia Tech and Auburn. But, He's in talks currently with Colorado and USF, University of South Florida, to fill their head coaching vacancies. Again, Colorado out west. They're in the Pac-12. And then you have USF, which is in the AAC, I believe. And again, still D1 jobs, not really big, big schools. But again, Florida, hotbed for recruiting. Again, Dion will definitely get recruits to go there. Colorado with the atrocious year that they have. Definitely turn stuff around out there. And again, out west, you can recruit all the kids from California, different states out there as well. Colorado, you know, Utah, Washington, Oregon, all the states out there. So we'll see again. It'll be crazy to see primetime go to a school like Auburn or USF or Colorado or even Georgia Tech. So again, I love what he's done at Jackson State. They're 11 0, I believe, for the first time in history. He has them playing really well. And again, like I said, all the intangibles, too, of being a great gentleman in the classroom, being a great human individual is something I really love and what I see from Deion Sanders. So Michigan's Blake Corum, running back up for the Heisman this year, has used his NIL money to donate turkeys for Thanksgiving to Ypsilanti. Again, probably saying that wrong. Ypsilanti is right outside Ann Arbor, close to Detroit and Michigan. And this is the second straight year in a row a video, you know, came out of him donating turkeys and giving turkeys away to people at their houses. So, again, shout out Blake Corm, you know, standout guy, one hell of a job. Uh, got one hell of a game this weekend as well. But just wanted to shout him out off the field of what he's doing and just getting back to the community on Thanksgiving. So, shout out Blake Corm there. Navy. The Navy has dropped astronaut-themed uniforms. Kind of following suit with the UCF here. Must be the AAC likes a lot of uh, space unis. They have on the one side of the helmet, NASA, and they have an astronaut on the other side. Again, must have followed UCF, that meme of uh, taking a test and the guy looking at your notes and then looking away. That's what Navy probably did there. But again, shout out Navy. It's a very cool uniform if you haven't seen it. And as talked about last week with the Michigan State-Michigan brawl in the tunnel, we have action being served here. The... Police Department of Michigan have stated that seven Michigan State players are being charged, and one is facing a felony charge for assault, the two Michigan players in the tunnel that day. Again, you look at what happened, you look at the video, very crazy, unacceptable, we went into it, dove into it, but now you're actually seeing consequences for those actions. And again, totally just, 
One of the players is facing a felony charge for assault. The other seven are just being charged. So again, it's unfortunate that it happened, but of course, you know, it is deserved. And if you assault somebody and you beat somebody up and you fight somebody, there are going to be consequences for your actions. Obviously, if you don't do it on the field to play football, even if you do it on the field to play football, there will still be consequences for your actions. Next, Jimbo Fisher. Obviously, him and Texas A&M have not had a good season at all this year. Very disappointing, very underwhelming for Texas A&M this year. So the answer is, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do if you're Texas A&M? Jimbo Fisher is an $85 million buyout, which is a lot of money. But they have a lot of oil money in Texas and Texas A&M. But there is a wiggle out, if you think about it. And again, this is all just possible scenarios, but... If there were recruiting violations that were found to be committed, they could void his buyout. And I'll go into that in a second. So that was speculated what happened to Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt to avoid paying his huge buyout. So if it finds out that the stuff that Saban said about Jimbo Fisher in the offseason, about paying every player, which is legal now with the NIL stuff, but if there's anything shady done or anything wrong, Texas A&M could use that as a loophole and say, Jimbo, kick it to the curb, buddy. We're not paying you $85 million. And that would be potentially a best-case scenario for them. Again, Texas A&M the past couple years has been better. They beat Alabama last year. They only had one loss, one of the, I believe, in 2020, where they should have made the playoff over Notre Dame. And they've competitive. This is their first year in three or four years where they've sucked been atrocious this year again the offense is very archaic however they scored more than 25 24 points in the game but if texas a wants out of it there's their potential solution use the model from tennessee i'm not saying it's right but obviously if there's been you know different rules and laws that have been you know committed egregiously and wrongly then there's your way to get out of it so definitely texas a&m see what the deal is there and um, we'll see what happens as the season keeps going on for them. Again, not having a good year. Have a losing record this year. Will not be bowling, but it's very unfortunate. Again, Aggies need to get their shit together. All right. This is the first time since 2006 that Ohio State and Michigan are both 11-0 and for the game this weekend. Again, Ohio State will be playing Michigan. It is in the shoe in Columbus, both 11-0 and since 2006. And all-time, Michigan leads the series 59-51 and six draws. Again, Wolverines lead it by eight, eight wins. But again, Ohio State is definitely, in the prior years, have been coming back. Again, Michigan beat Ohio State for the first time under Jim Harbaugh. So six or seven years. But Ohio State... Definitely looks willing and rearing to get revenge for that game from last year. Now to go into a little bit of um, just a little bit of different information and stuff you probably knew but definitely didn't know about Michigan, Ohio State. They are two of the 13 teams that use helmet decal reward systems in college football. As you know, Ohio State always has those Buckeye leaves in the helmet. You'll see those. And then Michigan, besides the wings, they have those individual stickers that they see on the sides of their helmet as well. So, going a little bit about them. One of my friends sent me a great article about this, so that's why I'm going to go into it a little bit. So, bu- the Buckeye Leaves are awarded for team, 
unit or individual on-field accomplishments for the season. So if C.J. Stroud throws a touchdown, if the offensive line don't give up a sack, if um, J.T. excuse me, if J.T. Tuomalau gets a sack, stuff like that. Now Michigan stickers have a unique image for each accomplishment, and they accrue year over year. So let's say last year we beat Ohio State. So all the players in the Michigan team will get that sticker, and that will stay on their helmet, including this year. So obviously Ohio State is more of an individual season, while Michigan accrues over your time there. That's why if you always look at Ohio State at the beginning of the year, a lot of their helmets aren't filled up with all the Buckeye leaves, but towards the end of the year, it's all full of them. Um, so going back a little history here, Woody Hayes started this, the Buckeye Lee sticker tradition at Ohio State in 1967. And then Bo Schmelbecker, again, Schlembecker, sorry for butchering your name there, he brought it to Michigan in 1969, but he originally first had it at Miami, Ohio, where he was the coach prior. And then Woody Hayes and Schlembecker had brutal 10 years, uh, 10 years of fighting and battling in the game between Michigan and Ohio State. Um, in 1995, stickers ended at Michigan when Lloyd Carr became the head coach, and Harbaugh, who played at Michigan, had the stickers in the 80s and 90s. He brought them back in 2015 when he became the head coach there. From 1995, so 20 years to 2015, Michigan had no stickers, and now Harbaugh brought it back. Again, I know they played 11 games this year, but with the recent statistics they had, so through 10 games this year, Ohio State has given out 4,438 stickers so far this year. Now, at Michigan, switching up gears here, three stickers that every player gets for making a team. You get the equality, the Title IX, which is equality, again, and stuff against sexual assault and sexual harassment and stuff like that, and then your hometown area code. And there's also another sticker, which I thought was very neat from a player that is called, um, that is given out to players, excuse me, that's called TED, which stands for There Every Day. And you get that sticker by participating in every spring and fall practice. You know, so that's kind of like workhorse one. You're always there, always showing up on time. So TED. And different individual achievements to players this year. You have Stroud has 100 Buckeye leave stickers through 10 games. And on defense, the most is JT to allow. Again, the DN, 74 Buckeye leaves throughout 10 games. And going back to Michigan with the area codes here, you have 9 out of 12 Michigan State area codes are represented on the team. 248 is the code for the metro area. North of Detroit is the one that's most represented. And there's 21 players. With area codes from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, the Northeast. And there's also a player from Canada and originally from Germany that have their area codes on their helmet, which I thought was really neat. So again, now it's just a little bit into the whole stickers and different tidbits of information for those teams. Again, I know the rivalry is very historic. We're going to have another great game this weekend, 11-0 versus 11-0. I think next weekend I'll go more a little bit into the rivalry, but I just want to give everyone a little bit of background and different information on the stickers and the helmet decals and who started it, when did it start. You know, just a little background information there because that's one of the cool features that, again, if anybody's seen those two teams play, features that they have, especially Ohio State, they're very iconic for that on their helmets. But now, transitioning to the games of the week. 
Again, I was three of six on picks last weekend. Fortunately, not too good of a uh, picking game for me. I picked TCU, they beat Baylor. I picked Georgia, they beat Kentucky. I picked Clemson, they beat Miami, but picked Oklahoma State, they lost Oklahoma. I picked UCLA, they lost to Southern Cal. I picked Utah, they lost to Oregon. So now this week, we'll try again. We have Baylor against Texas. Texas is home, ranked 23rd in the nation at 7-4. and four. Baylor 6-5. That game is 12 p.m. on ESPN and DirecTV. That game is today, so in a couple hours. It will be on. Again, I'm going to Longhorns at home. If they win and Kansas State loses, they will be in the Big 12 championship. Again, Steve Sarkeesian in his second year there. Again, love to see him do well, be successful. Also, love to see Texas get some revenge, potentially beat TCU for that loss a couple weeks ago in Austin. But they also need help from Kansas to beat Kansas State. And Baylor, unfortunately, has had a down year this year. So I'm going big horns up, hook them horns. I'm going long horns here. Also today, later tonight, you have UF, the Gators, 6-5, and five, being Talonasty against FSU, 16th in the nation. That game is 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Again, definitely down year for UF. Florida State starting off the year undefeated. Unfortunately, they've been down a little bit since then. I'm going to pick Free Shoes University at home, picking the Seminoles to up to be up on the Gators. Next, we have the game. Number three, Michigan, 11-0. They'll be traveling to Columbus, Ohio State ranked two in the nation, 11-0. Game will be in the shoe, 12 p.m. on Fox. This is Saturday now. Again, college game day, big noon kickoff will be there. An exciting scene in Columbus. Haven't seen this in 16 years, since 2006, both teams undefeated. So one hell of a game, 12 p.m., again, all these Eastern time on Fox. I'm picking Ohio State. Again, I know what happened last year. Michigan was definitely better last year. They still have a one hell of a running back this year, Blake Corm, who potentially is going to win the Heisman. But Ohio State has C.J. Stroud, who will potentially win the Heisman as well. Excuse me. Also, the game is home. Ohio State and those fans in the shoe will be going nuts. So I think the Buckeyes take it in Columbus. Next, we have Auburn-Bama, the Iron Bowl. Auburn, 5-6, and six, will be traveling to Tuscaloosa. Alabama, who's 7th in the nation, 9-2. and two. That game is 3.30 p.m. on CBS on Saturday. Again, I'm taking the Tide all the way. Roll Tide. Taking them. Auburn has had, really not had a good year. Fired Brian Harson. They have Cadillac Williams as their head coach. has been doing one hell of a job. But just shout out the Tide. They'll take care of business at home in Tuscaloosa. Next, we have Notre Dame, ranked 15th in the nation, 8-3. Again, shout out Marcus Freeman. Have had some bad losses this year, but definitely turned the team around against number 6 Southern Cal, who are 10-1. They are home. That game will be played at the LA Coliseum. And again, that game is 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Again, Notre Dame has been hot, upsetting Clemson a couple weekends ago. Southern Cal also is fighting for their lives to potentially make the playoffs. they got to win the Pac-12 as well. So I'm taking the Trojans here. They have to fight and you know survive to live on. So I'm taking Southern Cal over Notre Dame. And last but not least, we have Oregon, Oregon State. So we have the Ducks against the Beavers. Oregon ranked ninth in the nation at 9-2. We're traveling to Oregon State, who are ranked 21 in the nation at 8-3. 
That game is 3.30 p.m. on ABC. Again, this is a toss-up. I was thinking of taking the Beavers with the upset, but again, I know Bo Nix and that Oregon team is on a mission. Again, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. Potentially compete for a Pac-12 championship. We still have to see how it shakes out. Or, you know, make a New Year's Six Bowl game. So I'm picking the Ducks here over the Beavers. So I have Texas over Baylor. I have FSU over UF. I have Ohio State over Michigan. I have BAM over Auburn. I have Southern Cal over Notre Dame. And I have Oregon over Oregon State. Again, the Texas... Baylor and Florida, Florida State games are today, Friday. The remaining games are tomorrow on Saturday. So just want to clear that out there. Alrighty. Now we have what everyone's been waiting for here. One of the most exciting things Choose Chalk Talk has ever done. As many know, I went to Clemson this past weekend. Uh, shout out my boy Snakeus, Salt, and Mike. We all went down and converged and met up with Snakeus. Had one hell of a time. Watched them beat the piss out of Miami. Clemson defeated Miami 40-10. to Again, proved that Tiger winning streak to 46 or 47 straight home wins, which is up there almost close to Nebraska. Nebraska has the record, I believe. So shout out the Tigers there. But as I mentioned before, I did a little college and college football interview style. So one of the different students of the great architecture program and the student body of Clemson, University of Clemson. So... Again, I'm no editor, audio editor, but I tried to make this the best sounding it did. So this was at the tailgate before the game. And um, just got wanted to get some opinions for the Clemson fans and students about what's going on this year, how do they feel, and just whatever else they wanted to talk about. Also, this, this weekend when I was in Clemson, I met Doug Peterson, which is kind of random, but um, at a bar before the tailgate, me and my friends went out. And he was sitting at the table behind us. And me and my buddies kind of put together the clues of, hey, that guy kind of looks like Doug Peterson. So I looked. The Jags had a bye. So it works. And we kept looking at him. My buddy was bugging out. He looked up a picture of him. was like, that has to be him. He had a gold watch with a teal face on it. And my buddy found a picture of him with that. So after a while, I was like, all right, I'm going to go over and talk to him. So he was by himself for a second. And I leaned over the table, turned around. And I said, hey, are you Doug Peterson? And he said, yes, I am. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, I'm from Jacksonville. Like, you know, I thanked him for, you know, what he's done with the team this year. Even though the record doesn't show it, definitely been more competitive. And, you know, I shook his hand and he thanked me. And I just told him, you know, have a good rest of your day. And he said, you too. And I went back to the table. It's just so random. Some random bar in Clemson at the random time, the random weekend. But then we also Googled he has a son that goes to the University of Clemson. So. That kind of might have tied in it. But shout out, you know, Dougie P, Doug Peterson. I shook the hand of a Super Bowl champ as well that weekend. So overall, one hell of a weekend. We got some interviews. We got to hang out with my buddies, good food. And I got to watch a good game and meet, you know, Super Bowl champ with the Philadelphia Eagles. So shout out that. And um, we'll transition here to the interviews. Hope everyone enjoys. Um, as always, um, afterwards, I'm probably just going to cut it. So I just want to say, you know, everyone be safe, be well, and um, hopefully everyone enjoys this. So thank you guys for another great week. Catch y'all next week for conference championship weekend and talking about this prior weekend. But love y'all, and uh, let's hump, jump into these interviews real quick. All righty. Who am I here with today on this beautiful day? Diana. Cat. All right. Where are we, ladies? We are in Clemson, South Carolina. Tiger Town. 
Okay, all right, perfect. So, now that we've acquainted with each other, what brought both of you to Clemson, South Carolina? Grad school. Um, grad school, yes. <laughs> okay, that was electric. Can we get a little more detail here? What type of grad school? Was- Top 20 architecture schools in the country! Okay, is that the same for you, Diana? Indeed it is. <laughs> okay, beautiful, beautiful. So, so we're in Tigertown, Clemson, obviously, historically great football program. If you had the rate Clemson season so far this year, 1 to 10, decimals included, we're about all those, you know, round numbers, all those types of decimals and stuff like that. What would you say their season is this year and why? I'm going 6-8 because okay. every single time they played a good team, said good team gets absolutely destroyed weeks later by a nobody team. Mm-hmm. And they always play them super close. You can't be playing these teams that cannot keep a schedule close every yes. week. Facts. I would say probably a solid 7.01 okay, wow. for the same reasons. Yeah. It was like we played NC State, Syracuse, we beat them, but mm-hmm. then – we got demolished by Notre Dame, which shouldn't have happened, but it did. So that is tough. So sad. <laughs> All righty, ladies. Now I know both of you originally went to the University of Georgia, right? Yeah, go dogs! <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Are you guys gonna bark at me? <laughs> go. go dogs! Wow. I'm very scared. And um. As you know, I'm, a, I'm an Alabama alumni. I went there. What would you say to an Alabama fan? Since both, well, A, you go to Clemson, and B, you both went to Georgia. Just uh, lay something on me here. Uh, how did that loss against Tennessee feel? Because uh, we beat them, so. Wow. I have two statements. One, Tyler Simmons was indeed onside. And you have a fraudulent <laughs> Natty Champ. <laughs> two, the dynasty is dead. Wow. Okay. You're here your first, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. All righty. I am here with uh, Alex Leonard. Okay, Alex, I heard it's your birthday today. It is. 24 feels great. So happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. So what brought you to Clemson, South Carolina? Where are you originally from? Oh, so I'm, I'm from North Carolina, like central North Carolina. Okay. But my mom and my grandfather and my great-grandfather all came to Clemson. Uh, so your lineage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and they paid me a lot of money to come to grad school. So I can't complain. So no NC State, UNC oh, Duke, no, none of that? No, that was, I, I wanted to leave a little bit. So I went to undergrad in Virginia. Where in Virginia? Uh, Virginia Wesleyan. It was in Virginia Beach. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, so obviously Clemson, you know, very big historic football school, recent past couple years. Great. Strong new dynasty. Exactly. If you had to rate their season one to 10 this year, what would it be and why? I'm going to say a six. Okay. As, as much as we've only lost one game, uh-huh. Notre Dame at home is always brutal. couple scares here and there, the Syracuse game, yep. Wake Forest. But DJ's come a long way. Hopefully we have some opinions in Cade. I will, I'm hesitant that we rely so much on Will Shipley. Okay. But at the same time, he's phenomenal and he's a good backup. I agree with you. So I'm um, hopefully the new incoming class. I mean, Dabo just doesn't recruit five stars like some of the other schools do. But at the same time, it's not like that's been a key factor for us over the past couple of years. Yep. A good quarterback can rely on anybody. True. So. Now, saying all that, do you believe Clemson will win the ACC and make the playoff? Win the ACC, yeah. It's it's Carolina. That's the way it's been. It's been Clemson, Carolina the past several years. The playoffs I'm hesitant about, though. I think I think we might be first two teams out. But Tennessee's kind of got a little fluke the rest of the season. They're not too hesitant. Ohio State, Michigan still has to play. That's the big one. Southern fine. Georgia will be number one coming in. I don't think they're going to lose to anybody. Mm-hmm. 
Michigan, Ohio State. However, I'm I'm personally I'm pulling for TCU to okay. keep going undefeated yeah. the whole way. Go Horn Frogs, man! I, man, I would love to see them come in. It's a new playoff year for everybody. Yeah. A little bit different. It's nice to see Alabama out. It's nice to see the SEC have a good bit of competition too. Sounds good, my friend. Thank you for coming on today. Absolutely, I gotta go finish this twelve pack. <laughs> All right, who am I here with today? Laurel and Madison. All righty, now, ladies, what brought you to Clemson, South Carolina? You first. I go to school here. Can you give me a little more detail? It's the greatest school in America. Okay, wow. And uh, I'm here because uh, Laurel did a such a great job of selling it to me that I'm here to visit her. So. <laughs> Got you. Are you guys both architecture majors? I am. Uh, I'm actually not. I'm uh, engineering management. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Now, ladies, as you've been, you know, been here, this isn't your first year, right? You've both been here, or this is your first year? I'm actually just here for a visit. Okay, yeah. so you're here for a visit. And I know you're, this isn't your first year here. Uh-huh. So. Now, if you had the rate Clemson season so far, how's it going? 1 to 10, what would it be and why? I would say it was a 10 out of 10 until, until that dreaded Notre Dame game. Mm. Yeah, and I'd say we're at an 8 now. Okay. Yeah. Well, you on the outside looking in. Yeah, I was going to say, from anything I've heard from Laurel, I mean, I, I guess it looks like a nine from an outsider perspective, but uh, I'll, I'll go with the eight, yeah. All right. All right. You know, tough season. Have a loss. There's still a chance. Yeah. But now, ask both of you, what college did you go to up in Boston? Where are you uh, from? I, so I actually went to UTC in Chattanooga, okay, Tennessee. beautiful, beautiful. And obviously you went to Clemson. Where did you go for undergrad? UTC. That's how we met. Beautiful. Now, ladies. If you could pick out one fan base or one school that you really don't like, despise, hate, it's a strong word, but what would it be and why? I hate Alabama. <laughs> wow. Who are you? I mean, I, I grew up in Knoxville, so Florida Gators, those are rivals, so I'm going to have to go with that. <laughs> now, that was beautiful answers. Now, if you knew an Alabama fan here today, what would you say to them? Fuck you. Wow. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I guess I would say uh, Clemson's coming for him, right? So. <laughs> All right. Just letting you guys know, I know you know, but I went to Alabama. So thank you very much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I knew it. That's why I said it.